David Bowie sings Slap That Baby, Set Him Free. <laughs> this is Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> this is Spoilers. Dance Magic Dance. Dance Magic Dance. Jump Magic Dance. A little bit of a hesitant one that time. Not so sure of myself, but hey, welcome to Spoilers. Excited that you're listening to us. Uh, today we're here to talk about a George Lucas movie, a Jim Henson movie, a Frank Oz movie, a fantasy movie from the 80s written by a Monty Python alum, so nothing can go wrong. It's Labyrinth. Uh, this is your first episode. You notice that the title has movie review in it. That means you're part of our movie club now. And every week we pick a new movie like Labyrinth. And we'll play a little trivia game to decide who we'll host next week. I won last week on Stevie's Drive, but he's not on this podcast. So, Josh, let's introduce you first. Uh, what's your relationship with either Labyrinth or the Muppets or Jim Henson's work in general? Uh, man, big fan of Muppet Babies growing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ooh, nice. <laughs> Heck yeah. Uh, this movie throwback. actually reminded me of Eureka's Castle a lot. I don't know if you guys remember that. Ooh, good shout show. out, yeah. Hmm. But I feel like I've heard of Labyrinth a lot throughout the years, but this is my first time watching it. Wow. I'll pose a question to you, Pap. Is this movie known, or are we reviewing it today? If it weren't for David Bowie's bulge, oh, he just triggered Happy. <laughs> oh yeah, I got I have some notes on David Bowie's bulge, but without that bulge, <laughs> it's Willow. It, it becomes a cult classic with the bulge. <laughs> uh, um, that's surprising though. This is your first time seeing it. I I just assumed that being a child of the '80s, you had watched this many a time as a wee lad. But uh, Brett, you were also born in the '80s. What's your? Had you had seen Labyrinth before, right? Yeah, I've seen it multiple times. We used to watch it when we were kids. Do you mean sure. the Do you mean the eighteen eighties? No, <laughs> no, hey now. Hey now. <laughs> um, I also watched Muppet Babies and Eureka's Castle. So, so how how young were you when you first saw Labyrinth? Uh, I don't know, six or seven, maybe. Was it scary? That's pretty young. Well, I mean. Were you, I, I watched yeah. Predator and Terminator when I was five, so I kind of was. This is baby sent, stuff. Yeah, and you always mention <laughs> that on the pod. Twice, hey, Predator and Terminator. Up. We got it. You're a tough little boy when you're little. <laughs> no, it's just my grandpa didn't care about it. But uh, I don't know. Pretty young. Yeah, it was pretty creepy. It's some pretty creepy stuff, I guess. The hands were creepy. Yeah. But well. Don't jump ahead too far, Brett, to the hands. I know you're eager to talk about Jennifer Connelly and those hands, but first we got to introduce <laughs> Mikey. Mikey, I, I'm excited that you're on the podcast tonight because you are a lover of 80s practical effects, <laughs> you know, real, real mm-hmm. shit, um, fantasy. So you picked Willow. Had you seen Labyrinth before? Uh, yeah, I uh, have only seen it uh, the first time, maybe. Two or three years ago, I oh, don't wow. think I've ever really, yeah, I don't think I've ever really heard of it uh, uh, until then. But 
I watched it and I enjoyed it. Uh, I think it'd be really cool as an R-rated Muppets movie. I think it'd be pretty crazy, but it's pretty crazy as is for a kids movie. It's pretty dark. Isn't there an R-rated Muppets movie coming up? There is. Yeah. Well, I was wondering if the MPAA determines like the rating on the, s- the size and definition of the bulge. Like that's, a, <laughs> that's an R-rated bulge, just a PG bulge. This is this is NC-17 bulge. <laughs> Right. I get the last feeling that least, the rate. Well, the ratings. Yeah, sorry. Last but not least. No, no. Well, go ahead. Say your thing about the ratings. Your it brother just, can wait. It just seems like He's the ratings group. I, th- I think everyone just ignored the bulge and acted like it didn't exist. Mm-hmm. Well, let, let's let, table that for one second. And speaking Jordan, of bulge. Speaking of bulge. I can't help uh, it. I, Throw it to I, me. I, the man who introduces himself as speaking of bulge. <laughs> you're going from North Carolina. I, I know this has been your first time. Let's just kick it off with the discussion because I want to talk about the bulge. Like <laughs> every review you find and listen to and read, every criticism will either expressly mention David Bowie's penis or have some sort of like wink, wink, like joke. Like things were a little tight down below the belt or some stupid line like that. So, Jordan, how's it going? And what did you think of David Bowie's penis? Let's get it out of the way. <laughs> Hey, Pappy. Uh, doing well. Uh, I don't see a problem with Dave, David Bowie's uh, wiener being all over this movie. Um, I mean, I get that it's, it's a kid's movie. I didn't realize it was PG until we started talking about this. Um, didn't really phase me. Uh, you seem pretty uh, obsessed about it, though. It's uh, it's prominent, but it's <laughs> it's not just me. I'm saying, like, if you look up anything about this movie, like, it's always comes back to the bulge. Has and anyone has anyone responded to our Twitter challenge? No, I offered a free spoilers T-shirt for anyone who could find one review that didn't mention his penis, and I said expressly <laughs> mention his penis. So that shouldn't have been that hard. Schaefer wanted it, wanted the T-shirt. You should have found it. <laughs> true, true. Pappy, the bulge though. It- I think what's crazy about it is with how much meticulous set design and attention to detail in this movie there is, all the puppetry, everything, the bulge is like its own character, and the, you, <laughs> they made it up to be its own character. It's something. It means something. I wasn't able to find if, because one or two things seems to have happened. Either they gave David Bowie the tights, and he's like, I'm not going to wear underwear, and <laughs> just like, that's his real cock. <laughs> <laughs> or the the bulge is literally part of his costume and a choice by the director Jim Henson or George Lucas or someone involved in this production. I would gravitate towards George Lucas on something like this, but <laughs> I guess which do you think it is? Like I, I couldn't find for sure, but in my mind canon, it's like David Bowie's messing with his tights, either show something down there or just wants to show it off, whatever he has. And he just went out to set like that, and everyone's like, kind of averting their eyes and just letting him go through because he's David freaking Bowie. Well, is he not wearing a cod piece because he's wearing tights? I think he would see like the outline of his wiener if he was <laughs> just f- freeballing it down there. Yeah, I bought a used Blu-ray of this, or no, I bought a used DVD of this, but I had never wished that I'd sprung for the Blu-ray more in my entire life. In a hand, it's HD. Yeah. I mean, is it a sock? Is it a roll of coins? I mean, who knows? <laughs> Could be anything. All right, let's let's put David Bowie's penis to the side for now. <laughs> so hard. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, a lot of uh, puns yeah. right there. That, uh, yeah. But, 
And let's let's jump into this review because the, the movie doesn't waste any time getting started. That's for sure. Uh, Jordan, you're a trained psychologist. Can you describe oh Sarah, our main character's home life, and how you would characterize it? Through dangers untold and hardships unnumbered, I have fought my way here to the castle beyond the Goblin City. I think she's being maybe a little bit melodramatic, but you're the doctor. You here. think? A little? <laughs> that was the thing that I I didn't understand. It she it seemed like she was living a normal, regular old life, and she just needed to babysit her little brother one time, and he cried for like two minutes, and she got pissed and wished him <laughs> wished him to be gone. I can bear no longer, Goblin King, Goblin King, wherever you may be, take this child of mine far away from me. Carly Anthony style. What? Uh, nothing. What was her name? <laughs> Something Anthony. It's a weird. Uh, <laughs> it's a weird intro too. Because what is she doing in the park? She's Casey practicing lines for a play. Casey, kinda, yeah. Casey yeah, Anthony. Casey Anthony. Yeah. Okay. Oh, she's uh, uh, she's uh, big into acting. I think she's got that. One girl, like she's got like a little shrine of this girl. It's like, her mom. Oh, then then she's doing that. She's okay. Yeah, we're there. You know, <laughs> grieving. No, she's just trying to do what her mom did. I guess. Wait, is her mom dead? Uh, the woman says uh, she thinks of me as an evil stepmother or something. Yeah, I, I don't know if what, Sarah did any, that. Did anybody recognize that woman? Because she is Barb from Trailer Park Boys. Frig off, Barb. Oh, I recognize it. Oh, name. my God. Get the fuck wow. out. <laughs> no, I was like a student. She looks that, terrible now. <laughs> I, I, in the park. <laughs> Mr. Leahy. Yeah, I recognized it right away. <laughs> as soon oh, my as God. I saw her, I was like, that's Barb. And I instantly went to the IMDb and I was like, yeah, that's Barb. But my, what, I try, what I think happened, what I'm trying to gather is uh, that the mom may have passed away and then now sarah is obsessed with acting and david bowie even mentions this in magic dance not to jump ahead too far but he's something about <laughs> my baby's mom has gone away or something there's some lyric like that we'll, we'll play that later but uh last question to you mikey um more emo character winona Ryder from beetlejuice or sarah <laughs> from labyrinth uh, definitely Winona. She was uh, She's talking the to the dead. Yeah. Yes. She was full straight goth. But uh, I think uh, Jennifer Connelly here is more apt to commit suicide. <laughs> we're going to define goth by that. She was a little stir crazy just taking care of this baby for one one now, night. now Mikey's starting to sound like a trained psychologist, apt to commit suicide. <laughs> that, that was <laughs> a much, more, a much yeah. more uh, professional diagnosis than me, yeah. But let's <laughs> talk about the thing that everyone wants to talk about with this movie, and that's David Bowie, the man, the myth, the legend. <laughs> um, he shows up in a, in a... Pl- R.I.P. He shows up in a plume of glitter that explodes <laughs> in her window after... Uh, <laughs> She had accidentally wished her brother taken away. Um, That's never coming out of the carpet. That's in there forever. (laughs) You're him, aren't you? You're the Goblin King. I want my brother back, please, if it's all the same. What's said is said. But I didn't mean it. Oh, you didn't. Please, 
Where is he? You know very well where he is. Here's potentially a hot take. David Bowie, underrated actor and maybe the best musician slash actor. Hmm. Uh, definitely agree with the first Dave one. Dave Matthews? <laughs> just, just made myself laugh how stupid Dave Matthews. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, can you name Jared Leto? Other? Yeah, oh, Jared Leto true. for sure. Jared Leto fucking sucks. He he won an okay, Oscar. Okay, but we got David Bowie's got Labyrinth. David Bowie's got uh, Prestige. Fuck Prestige. Prestige. Oh, Prestige. Yeah. Stevie, I'm so happy Stevie's not here. Zoolander was what? (laughs) Did you think David Bowie was actually good in this movie? Don't defy me. What did you think, Josh? No, I thought he was wooden and basically used as a Muppet character with a bulge. Like, (laughs) I think he wanted. I I think they wanted him to write the music, and so he's like, "He did." Can I be in it too? And they're like, "Uh." Sure. Put me in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I know he did, Mikey. <laughs> well, what point of his career is this? Was he? Uh, well, it's... he was still like he was huge at this point, wasn't he? Yeah, but oh, I mean, it seems kind of off-brand for him to do a kids movie. Eighty-six. He's like at the height of his drug career, I would imagine. It's true. Hmm. I wonder how much yeah he remembers because it wasn't him juggling those balls the way that they. Did it. The way David Bowie plays with his balls in this movie is they had a guy (laughs) (laughs) reach around from behind him and uh, he would put on a glove and juggle the balls for him. This guy was like a professional juggler, so that's uh, got to reach around and play with his balls. But uh, nice piece of trivia. Yeah, thank you. For the occasions we wanted to use Michael's right arm to be David's arm, we set it up with a stand in for David. So he could rehearse and, and rehearse and rehearse and try to get this move. We had to have Michael down behind David, and he had to be leaning down so that he wouldn't be in the camera shot. He's now working totally blind. Um, yeah, so we're jumping ahead a little bit. Uh, so, and the, that's the thing about this movie is I had to watch it a couple of times because, like, things uh. will just happen. Like, characters <laughs> will just disappear. Scenes will just transition. Like, wait, how the fuck did we get here? Where did Ludo go? But... We're now at the labyrinth, and she has 13 hours to solve a couple initial challenges, and we meet a, a few characters. Um, the first one we meet is Hoggle, and he's killing fairies bright style uh, <laughs> after he takes a piss. Uh, Brett, were you were you impressed with the animatronics on Hoggle? What did you think about him? I thought most everything in the movie was good, except for the terrible green screen, but we can get to that later. Um, how they look pretty good 1986 you're probably asking the wrong guy i mean well how would you describe hoggle like what you saw this from a kid you probably looked up to hoggle he probably was like a very comforting character to you no, you probably he, needed him he was you needed hoggle but you didn't he, know why he was just big dude. He's, no no he was the same douchebag now that he was when he was a kid i thought i would like him more but he's pretty douchey so he was all right. He was he, fun. Does he remind you of Gollum, Smeagol character at all? He is terrifying uh, a little, looking. A little bit. He ran <laughs> really like sideways. I'm guessing that was a kid. Well, I, I'm talking more of, a, of along the lines of he's kind of like hired by the bad, the big bad, but then he's like, oh, yeah. I'm their friend for a while, and like Smeagol kind of ends up bad, I think, in the end, whereas Hogwart ends up good. <laughs> what have we here? Uh, nothing. 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 Fa la la. Your Majesty. What a nice surprise. <laughs> well, he's kind of like the reluctant 
caretaker too, similar to, similar to uh, <clears throat> excuse me, similar to Val Kilmer and Willow, who kind of just like he doesn't want to be there, but kind of gets dragged into it, and you get the sense that he's never really had Sex. a friend before. Yeah, what or yeah. Or gotten a kiss to turn into a prince. Did someone dump a vat of acid on Hoggle? Because he is <laughs> scary looking. <laughs> He's like two-faced, but his whole face is just fucked up. Whoa, <laughs> <laughs> bad face. Just He's one dwarf, face. <laughs> All right, I want to play a clip here real quick, and I don't have it to play for you guys, but we'll play it for the listeners at home. Uh, my favorite character of the whole fucking movie is this little caterpillar. <laughs> who Sarah meets and she sits down and goes, hello. <laughs> and uh, she goes, did you say hello? And it goes, no, I said, hello. <laughs> and it's so, it just warms my fucking heart. It's such a cute little character, such a nice little Muppet. And it's got like, it's, it's good Jim Henson humor. It's got that wholesome <laughs> slash R slash wholesome memes, warm fuzzy feeling. Hello. Did you say hello? No, I said hello, but that's close enough. You're a worm, aren't you? Yeah, that's right. You don't by any chance know the way through this labyrinth, do you? Oh, me? Nah, I'm just a worm. That's pretty funny. Yeah, I really like the way you pulled it off there, Pap. That was great. I, I wanted to know more about those eyes that were right by the yeah. caterpillar, actually, too. They were kind of talking. I wanted to hear what they had to say. Yeah. Were those like the eyes that were like on lichen kind of looking things? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. lichen. <laughs> <laughs> but like the way that the worm thing transitions out is, is where you start to look at the screenplay. Um, let me see if I got that guy's name. Brett, can you see who wrote this real quick while I make my point? Yeah, I got it up. All right. Uh, you start Dennis to see Lee. that like maybe Dennis Lee. Yes. Was he the former Monty? Because it was weird because it was like it was written by or conceptualized by the Monty Python guy. Terry and got Jones. a bunch of rewrites. Terry Jones wrote the Terry story, Jones. the screenplay. Okay. But like the scene transitions are just so weak. And I and I think that there's something in this movie like there's like she's supposed to be learning life lessons about growing up. And this one is that she takes for granted that depth perception exists. I don't really understand. <laughs> <laughs> They mean labyrinth or any turns or corners or anything. This just goes on and on. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe I'm just taking it for granted that it does. Did anybody else pick up on some like underlying themes? Not just from this part, but in the whole. There's the whole issue that's kind of similar where it's like, it's not fair, but that's the way it is. What? That's it. I quit. Wait a minute. <laughs> oh, go. Said I didn't promise nothing. I said I'd take you as far as I could go. You little cheat. You nasty now, little cheat. Now, don't try to embarrass me. I've got no pride. Oh, yeah? Hey, that's my jewels. No, oh, you give them back. Give them back. Give those back. Oh, uh, uh, give those back to me. You're- now. There's the castle. Which way should we try? Them's my rightful property! It's not fair! No, it isn't. But that's the way it is. Mm. That's another lesson. 
She yeah. does that after she blackmails Hoggle. She takes his jewels, holds them at arm length, like uh, Foghorn <laughs> Leghorn to a chicken hawk, and then says, like, oh, this oh, is how you do it. <laughs> Life's not fair. <laughs> I like this stuff. It's a reference <laughs> for the teens, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's, like there's kind of like a theme of, like, all of these characters that she meets are really shitty at giving her advice or directions along the way because doesn't, mm-hmm. doesn't this caterpillar say that she could have taken a different direction and gone straight to the castle or something oh yeah never go that way <laughs> yeah she, oh, like literally everyone she everyone she meets just gives her really terrible directions so this movie then you know she gets out of that situation and jordan <laughs> i know I know we talked about this a little bit before we started recording, uh, that you're not the biggest fan of this movie. You just got a letterboxed, and I'm, and I'm sure you got to give this movie lots of stars, but did the magic dance touch your heart in any way? <laughs> it, it kind of made the movie make sense to me. Um, <laughs> it unlocked the whole film it, for it you. It really did. I was wow, like, oh. That's much more profound than yeah. I was expecting. It was like, oh, this is what this movie is going to be now. Um, no, I... I mean, we had kind of talked about it before we came on with the rest of the group, but at this point I was like, oh, is this like a David Bowie like pet project that he gets to like write these songs or just like be a big part in it? Um, I think it ended up being better than what I expected based on the the dance song. Um, I was really hoping you'd come to me with the Pit of Eternal or yeah, Pit of Eternal Stench, which is just oh. <laughs> a, bu- a bunch of buttholes farting into like a toilet. <laughs> <laughs> just opening and closing on their own i hate to interrupt <laughs> here but jordan likes uh i guess bold brother jordan he's my brother he um he likes to send <laughs> me knows. pictures no. and snapchats and instagrams and g chats of his own uh eternal grossness his own shits oh, from time wow. to time oh jeez. um so i just want to like hmm air that out right here i don't appreciate it jordan and stop never gonna hey. stop sending poop snaps <laughs> <laughs> is it normal to send your siblings pictures of your poops email us at podcast spoilers at gmail.com with your opinion i know crap, listener uh, doug is gonna back me up on this <laughs> crap crap chat for sure crap crap chat <laughs> Hey, Pat, I'm sorry, the two and a half star mm-hmm. review was not from your cousin. It was from Jode. He's already reviewed it. So, <laughs> Oh, wow. Nice. Back to your question, Pappy. I think um, there's, I mean, it's interesting also seeing like the reference from Flight of the Concords be- before seeing David Bowie in a, in a role like this. And so it also made a lot of that make sense where he just kind of drifts into a room and like instructs this person, but he's also like singing songs during the movie. That's mm-hmm. kind of what I went back to is like the flight of the Concords thing and like seeing those references and kind of like, Oh, that makes sense now. Not Jermaine. It's 1972 David Bowie from the Ziggy Stardust tour. Wow. You look a lot like Jermaine. No. It, I mean, yeah, you definitely, this is quintessential Bowie cause you're getting to see him spend a lot of time with them and hear these songs. And I, I think that the way that these songs were written and I, this is totally speculation on my part. I have no idea, but it feels like Jim Henson and David Bowie had a meeting before the script was finalized and and uh jim henson had the general themes of the movie some general like concepts and then david bowie and jim henson parted ways for months and months while david bowie wrote the songs (laughs) and did drugs and jim henson started working on the film and then they came back together and they didn't match at all because let me let's play let's play a little extended clip 
of Magic Dance. some lyrics here to you guys um i saw my baby crying hard as babe could cry what could i do my baby's love had gone and left my baby blue nobody knew and then he goes on to talk about what kind of magic spells to use and that the baby can dance and that the baby has powers like (laughs) it doesn't it does it it's a good song but i don't think it belongs in this movie is it I, th- I think it's a catchy song. It's How about catchy. That? Can we go catchy? <laughs> yeah. I what do you th- yeah, what do you think Jim Henson's notes should have been for that scene? It's like a baby torture. No drug references. Baby yeah. torture scene. <laughs> In 9 hours and 23 minutes, you'll be mine. <laughs> Tone down the bulge. Um, <laughs> sorry, I said I wasn't going to do more bulge jokes, but yeah, so that's <laughs> that's the magic dance. Uh, <laughs> one of the classic Muppet Jim Henson moments. Probably the thing most people think about when they get to think of this film. Uh, one other, I, I do want to touch on this other guy. I know I'm going a little bit slow through these three challenges, but these really stick out to me. The riddle of the one who always lies and the one who always tells the truth. Does anybody feel equipped? No. To break down what's happening Shit. there at all? No. No, I gave up like right away. My brain hurt. <laughs> Let's play the clip. Well, the only way out of here is to try one of these doors. One of them leads to the castle at the center of the labyrinth, and the other one leads to Ba-ba-ba-bum. certain death. Ooh. Which one is which? Uh, we can't tell you. Why not? Um, we don't know but they do oh then i'll ask them uh no you can't ask us you can only ask one of us mm-hmm. it's in the rules and i should warn you that one of us always tells the truth and one of us always lies that's a rule too he always lies i do not i tell the truth oh what a lie oh. <laughs> he's the liar because in in this scene she it happens so fast like it's so unclear what's happening like she just breezes over like the conclusion like oh so you must be 
the bad one because this, this, and this. And like even the even the guys on the shields like don't understand what's going on with that. But she ends up getting it wrong, right? Because she falls. But right. then they help her. Or yeah, she is wrong. Yeah, I'm not sure if she's right though. No, I. So if he always tells the truth and said, "Is he going to tell the truth?" and he says yes, then that would mean that the other guy. Okay, for the sake the of for the, Brett, for the sake of clarity, let Stop. me let me explain the riddle to our listeners. Right. The, the the there's two doors, and this is a classic riddle template. It was on uh, Car Talks Puzzlers. It's in Puzzler Games. You'll see it even in other films and TV shows, I think. But you have the concept of one guy always tells the truth and one guy lies, and there's usually some kind of like escape scenario. In this case, Jennifer Conley is trying to get through get through the door. One door is going to kill her. One door is going to lead to the castle, I guess, or something. Or not kill her. One door is going to get her groped by a bunch of hands. (laughs) And Pappy, the question she asks one of them Mm. is, would the other guy tell me that this is the door to go through? Which is the correct way to solve the puzzle. Mm. Yes. But life isn't fair. That's just the way it is. (laughs) But that's what I don't understand. So she solves the puzzle. Does she just pick the wrong door? immediately after solving the puzzle like i don't because that's the way you do it you say what does the other guy say then you know it's the opposite uh maybe she should have looked down there was a gaping hole she fell into (laughs) (laughs) she just had to step over that yeah that was it that was it (laughs) and then it's hashtag me to grope grope hands all the way down good lord well it's so unfortunate too because it's brilliant concept but with with the raccoon puzzle later when she's trying to cross the bridge, <laughs> it's kind of the same sort of like quick logic where she's just like, we can only go with your permission. Well, can we have your permission? And he's like, yes. And then they walk. <laughs> yeah. The raccoon guy. Um, man. What's his name? Rocket? Didymus. He's the best character in the movie. Epididymus? I like, it. I like how he fights Ludo. And then he's like, Ludo's just kicking his fucking ass all over the forest. <laughs> then he pops out of a little hole in the tree. He's like, all right, I've never had a knight fight that bravely before. We'll call it a tie or yeah. something like that. <laughs> Stalemate, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but see, that's the thing. There, there, is, there is some good Jim Henson humor in this. But, man, when you put this next to Dark Crystal, he's just not a great storyteller. And he, he does these like big hero journey type stories and that, that might have been even lucas's influence too where you, you meet all these characters along the way and lessons are learned and and there's you know you cross the threshold in the fantasy land um but well one of those characters that we meet along the way is ludo we were just talking about him um mikey you want to talk about him uh yeah he's a big monster who's getting stabbed or poked with these sticks from smaller monsters and Jennifer Connelly is like trying to save him. He's tied up in a tree or something. And then I don't know. He's kind of dumb and slow and big and, but he's really nice to Jennifer Connelly. He's a good character. I like yeah, him. Yeah, I like Ludo. He's good. It's a big Ludo tauntaun. He's a, he looks like a, <laughs> he's like a, a dog that can talk. It's a big yeah. tauntaun. tauntaun, Jordan. Yeah. That's a good call. <laughs> Ludo brother. <laughs> Ludo friend. I get the friend. sense that Ludo's not real smart. And he might just be par- parroting back everything that he's seeing without a lot of <laughs> He does talk to rocks, after all. Did he almost make a Wookiee noise at one point? Did you guys hear that? 
Hmm. I wouldn't yeah. be surprised. George Lucas would have no part of that. <laughs> he would not approve. Interestingly, yeah. I watched a documentary about this or it was it came on my DVD. It wasn't like a, it was like a 30-minute TV special that probably ran on like AMC or something that was like the making of Labyrinth and it aired before it came out. And you would have thought this was like George Lucas's fucking baby. His name was all over it. Like they introduced it as George Lucas's Jim Henson's Labyrinth and then when he saw the final what? product, he dropped his name off that shit faster than Jar Jar drops steps in a turd. I don't even know. What <laughs> Labyrinth, the new film adventure starring David Bowie and Jennifer Connelly, brings together the creative talents of director Jim Henson and executive producer George Lucas. Jim is fun to work with. He's very, very easygoing. He has his own ideas about things, but he's always willing to entertain other ideas. And we had a good working relationship. One of the first times Jim and I got together was uh, on a project was when I was doing uh, Empire Strikes Back and I needed some help with Yoda. Jim was about to do a project uh, after that using more realistic uh, puppetry. And so Yoda became an experiment for him and for me. Uh, and we both learned on that project. Uh, he went on to do Dark Crystal and advanced the art. Uh, so where were we? Yeah, so Ludo... Uh, shows up and then he disappears. It's really weird. Um, and Hoggle's uh, getting pressured by the Goblin Prince, who I don't think we mentioned this yet. David Bowie's name is Jareth. Mm. <laughs> Classic. Interesting choice. Um, Jareth Kushner. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, <laughs> from that documentary I was watching. There's one scene where uh, the Goblin King's leaning on um, leaning on Hogwarts or whatever his name is. They're, it's a running gig. They mispronounce his name. He's leaning on him real hard, and he starts to juggle the balls in his face. And they show the making of that, and the professional jugglers doing the reach around on David Bowie, <laughs> but he keeps dropping the ball, and he's got like a bucket full of like at least fifty of those balls because he just keeps dropping them. It's just like. In the documentary, they show take after take after take after take, and the juggler is getting so pissed. He's like cussing. He's like motherfucker each time. And like David Bowie's got like say the line like don't go. (laughs) (laughs) Shit, shit. He drops the ball. It's so ridiculous. If you if you have a chance to watch the the making of Labyrinth, it's worth it for that part alone. But uh i think the next part or we'll talk about the bog of eternal smell jordan you mentioned that a little bit but do you want to yeah so it's a really stinky pit and if you get touched by the juice in the pit of eternal stench you smell forever that's and exactly what i think of when you send me those snapchats <laughs> i mean it's not wrong and the pit of eternal stench <laughs> consists of green goop with Bunch a, b- a mm-hmm. bunch of uh, farting buttholes right up in there, <laughs> but they like yeah. all stepped in it. Like they all stepped through they it. Got splashed. Yeah, they got. It seems like they got splashed, and then when uh, Ludo oh, the called rocks. the rocks, yeah. like there was definitely shit on those rocks that they stepped yeah. in. But I, I mean, maybe you have to actually like submerge a part of your body. I don't. I That's don't know the rules. I don't That's know the rules of this. Hey, man, I'm just playing by what I saw. <laughs> I never explained it explicitly, I don't think. Oh my god! Ah, what is it? 
for the Bog of Eternal Stains! A lot of real tight rules in this world, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Don't seem to matter equally all the time, either. They kind of go and come as they please pretty quickly. <laughs> uh, there's only there's only a couple more... Uh, set pieces because the, the the movie really does you're kind of moving through the different rooms of these labyrinth uh but one of the things that we have to talk about um is the eyes wide shut masquerade <laughs> dance with david bowie uh so hoggle uh slips jennifer conley uh bill cosby special and she <laughs> is transported into a bubble and Josh, do you want to take it away from there? What kind of happens? Yeah. At the stage? Um, I searched how old was Den- Jennifer Connelly Labyrinth on Google earlier today. And the first article that pops up is, was Labyrinth an, an allegory for date rape by Jim Henson? And <laughs> if, if, so, if so, this scene, I guess, would be where she gets roofied out and dances the night away with a much older David Bowie. Um, I I think I mentioned to Brett earlier tonight. Um, it did remind me of Eyes Wide Shut too. Like I, I'm at a loss, Pappy. Is there something else to dig dig up there? Is that allegory I mean, spot on? Jordan, you said you had some thoughts before the podcast. Um, so you are a psychologist. I mean, this this is the point in the movie where I stopped on Wednesday night and then I <laughs> re- restarted again um, on Thursday night when I or tonight when I watched it Thursday, and I didn't. It didn't seem as weird at the time, but as I've read things about it and people talking about how there's like a coming of age tale and intertwined with this story, and that this is like. Uh, the weirdly sexual part i was like whoa is that actually what that was and kind of thinking back about it it's it is pretty fucking weird and i don't i i don't think i get it i don't understand <laughs> he's the guy he's he's the goblin king his age is like arbitrary isn't it supposed to be like no the know. age of consent her age is not yeah. arbitrary <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> Brett? she has a very set age of What's, underage uh, what is the uh, age of consent in the goblin kingdom None of us know. Do we? That joke will not age no. well. <laughs> You're on the wrong side of history. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I don't. I don't want to dwell on this too long. I mean, I think one or one of two things are true, and and I am going to play. I'm going to play a clip from that documentary because actually, now that I start to think about it, Jim Henson said a couple of things in that documentary that made me wish I hadn't have heard them. Uh, one of them is this: We were trying to create a kind of an adult world. You know, the cast is, is our real people here. Sarah is still a child, and she's walking into a very adult situation where she knows she's too young to be there. It's something that's attractive to her, and it's also repellent. Where he's, he says something to the effect of uh, that she is resistant to it, but also wants it. Uh, in the, in the scene. Oh my god! And on, I was like, on, Jimmy, Jimmy, Jim, Jim, Jimmy, Jim, 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 Jim. Why did you say that? Um, can oh, you say James. that again? Can you say those same words again, but in Kermit's voice? I can't. I wish I could. And it's, his natural voice sounds a lot like Kermit, so it's very bizarre. He also says during the dance magic dance scene that they bring in an African American choreographer, and he says, "Yeah, we really were looking to have capture those black movements." And I was like, "Oh God, Jim, why Whoa. did you? Say, 
What? Uh, <laughs> it's sometimes better just to make the jump look not like jump as opposed to, you know what I mean? Cheat up so you can place it. You can place it. We brought in Charles Augens to choreograph a couple of the numbers, and he worked with David on Dance Magic. What we wanted was that very vibrant, dynamic sort of black movement. It's what Charles does all the time. What dance moves? Maybe don't watch the documentary. I take that back. But there's 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 two more quick scenes. We have a scene with some trash ladies who are building That's my a trash. Fave. Oh, go ahead. Do you want to talk about that? She's, she's building a trash shell, kind of like a hermit crab. She's listed as junk lady on IMDb. <laughs> but the part I think about it is cool is that it gets. It's the first like window you have back to Jennifer Connelly's reality, and it takes her to like her house, but it's within the fairy world. But then what I really liked about it was I you slowly realize that like the junk lady is turning Jennifer Connelly into an old junk lady mm-hmm. by piling all that stuff onto her. I thought that was kind of a cool mm-hmm. trick they did. It's pretty cool. Which in the stuff yeah. they're piling onto her is like her childhood trinkets. Like they're like toys and uh dolls and that kind of shit. So maybe it ties into the growing up subtext. I, I don't know. Like she wanted those toys, but she didn't want them, but she didn't want to resist the toys. <laughs> Which makes the ending scene even w- weirder, but we'll get to that in like two seconds. Um, then the second to last, or the, 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 the movie ends, the conflict ends. She, she makes it to, uh, she makes it to the Goblin King's palace after a small battle and like a, what I guess is like a surrounding village or something. Uh, <laughs> one of the things I love about that battle. <laughs> Hold on. (laughs) (laughs) Eyes can be so cool. (laughs) I'm in the basement and the water heater's like two feet away from me. Mikey's getting a big round of applause. That's what I thought it was. (laughs) The crowd was going crazy for the the battle scene all right there we go uh but yes one of the things i love about that battle scene is that there's these rocks that come down which defeat the baddies but like normally when you would shoot something like this you would have like or you would let the you would end the shot before all of the rocks came down to imply that you know it's a big <laughs> rock slide but they don't do that in this film. You see like five rocks tumble through the frame and then nothing really happens. It's so, <laughs> it's so weird. I, I did anything else. Did you guys remember anything from the final battle before we get the, the conflict? Just, I love it. I think he's so funny. What was he doing in the battle? Just straight. He's not scared of anything. He's just trying to get his dog. Who's scared of everything. And then they like get on him and he's like, so you've had enough? I don't know. I've always liked that kind of joke. I mean, the sticky's funny. Plus, he falls over all the time. <laughs> the practical effects with the real dog to puppet dog. Yes. I, I think that's what they did. It was really cool, yeah. actually. When he, sh- when he shakes and stuff, yeah. <laughs> it was good that they chose a sheep dog like that because it looks very much like a Muppet to start with. So yeah. I, I'm not going to lie. I think there were a couple of times they may have actually tricked me a little bit or I didn't notice it, but. Definitely. There was also one part in the the final battle kind of reminded me of Young Guns when they have like a Gatlin gun that's shooting at uh, (laughs) at the protagonist. Yeah. So, I mean, that was a cool reference, but. I'm surprised you didn't give it more stars just for that Young Guns reference. (laughs) How many stars in in hell, Murphy? I haven't rated it yet, man. Five? 
I'm I'm still over pondering. under four and a half. I need to right, I need well. to give it a night. Yeah. <laughs> so the movie ends in an MC Escher esque uh, showdown with the baby showing up in different places, and this this is really another scene where it stuck out where the music has nothing to do with what's going on with the screen. The music which is playing now. going on with like your eyes can be so cruel and but i can be cruel too it's so weird like it doesn't make any sense what he's saying like is he in love with her yes <laughs> yeah I, th- I really do think that is part of it yeah man this movie's weird so she says you have no power over me um and that's enough to defeat her, or defeat him, uh, David Bowie. And then I, I really, I don't remember how it, she gets back to her room. It just kind of happens all of a sudden. I've watched this movie like two and a half times, but she ends up back in her room, and she's talking in the mirror, and she's saying goodbye to all these characters. It's very Wizard of Oz esque. I mean, a lot of this movie yes. is leaning on, on those, but this is like she's. I'll say goodbye to you. I'll say goodbye to you. And then she has her moment with Hoggle, who was the first of these um, friends quest characters she picked up. Yeah. Monsters. Monsters. <laughs> They're <yeah>. all monsters. <laughs> first of these burn victims. <laughs> the last of the burn victims. Yeah. One and face. And she says, I need you, Hoggle, and I don't know why. Goodbye, Sarah. And then they have a party. <laughs> and remember, fair maiden, should you need us, Yes, should you need us for any reason at all. I need you, Hoggle. You do? I don't know why, but every now and again in my life, for no reason at all, I need you. All of you. You do? Well, why didn't you say so? Any final thought? Any thoughts on that last scene? Um, I think there's a Scrabble shout out. Yeah. What? What? Where was the baby? Did she even bring the baby back <laughs> in home? the next room, back in the crib? Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> she yeah, checks she, uh, on it. I think. Yeah. Oh, okay. She was I like, "I'm, you- I'm so happy you're back," and she hangs out with it for two seconds and then leaves. <laughs> <laughs> See ya. <laughs> yeah. 
it it felt good. It felt like a good ending. But when you think about it, like you said, Pap, it doesn't make any sense. And what you also said earlier, I think, rings true. Like this is all about the journey. The beginning and ending of this movie are super thin and weak. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little a little disappointing. I mean, did anybody? Brett, as a kid, did this like resonate with you? Like a big party? Was this like the happiest ending possible, basically, or what? I I think as a kid, probably that probably felt good. But yeah, I'm with you. It, it's pretty. I don't know. Is it? Are we supposed to take this as a real? Like it really happened? Or I guess we are, right? She's dancing with these Muppets in her room. Yeah, well, she could be mentally ill. In the intro, she doesn't question. <laughs> it was all a dream. <laughs> she doesn't question the Goblin King at all. Like in any other film, she'd be like, "I must be dreaming," or some moment of like, right? You know, doubt. She, the Goblin King shows up, and she's like, "All right, you must be the Goblin King." It's like, what? How did you know you could summon him? <laughs> Are we living in a universe where like this occasionally happens, and we're just supposed to go with it? Like. Doesn't make well, any the, sense. the Muppets at the beginning are like, just say the words. Like, how would she oh, yeah. even know what words she had the, to say? She had that book they kept showing the the labyrinth or the Goblin like King or something, a little her, red book, her playbook or whatever. No, like the playbill. No, it, they show it like two or three times. It looks like it's about a hundred pages. Yeah, that's kind of right out of Beetlejuice too. Like the Death Playbook, the Labyrinth Playbook. It's kind of the same idea. Mm-hmm. Not a bad pun with that playbook, though, because they have the just say the words and she goes on this long monologue. And then they're like, those aren't the words. I kind of like <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, like for her getting everything back and looks like she the rest of her life, she's going to have a, a snowy white Goblin King Bowie owl outside of her window <laughs> creeping on her. Did you see that? Watching her. Yeah. Yeah, so day and night. That's that was, like her reward for beating him, is he gets to peep on her the rest of her life. That was the same owl that played. Her sexual he- predator has no power over her anymore. <laughs> that was the owl that played Hedwig, for sure. That owl, by the way, was one of the first CGI creatures ever created. The owl in oh. the intro, which looks like dog shit. It's so bad. Yeah, it does. And it's just really for a movie which is such a you know aesthetic production design masterpiece in that that's what carries this film if, if anything carries this film <laughs> the fact that they start you off with a potato looking owl that has like square edges is just such a buzzkill uh speaking of of little set pieces and actors and stuff i thought it was really funny that the baby toby is actually played by an actor named toby um <laughs> we've seen a couple of those toby <laughs> yeah we've seen a couple of those <laughs> names like uh didn't Steve Buscemi, his name was Buscemi and something. And, <laughs> Desperado. Uh, yeah, and who's the Mexican guy in Trejo. Trejo. I freaking love it when movies do that and I find out about it. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny. I saw one review that um, called out the like the use of the, the baby like about to climb over the edge or every edge of like the MC Escher universe. Um, as being like a, a cheap trick to like get people to invest in that last scene. Um, I Is that like a thing that people have used? Like Josh, like you're the only one of us with kids, I think. Um, oh, like how did you feel about that? <laughs> I think what stood out to me more than that, because with MC Escher, it's clearly obvious they're stitching frames against each other all over the place in that. 
But when David Bowie is like dancing around him with all those scary looking <laughs> goblins and he's just crying earlier in the movie, that's the one that was like, were people thinking about calling CPS f- for this? And like, how long did they make that baby stay on set and just cry with all uh, these monsters? That around? baby is traumatized. Toby. Yeah, it's some that's a good horrible point. looking yeah. monsters surrounding him. Yeah. The baby was the son of one of the production designers, and apparently during that MC, MC Escher sequence, uh, Jim Henson wanted to put him up on a big, tall platform and like kind of have his like legs dangle off the edge or something. Parents were like, no, dog, you're not doing that to my son. That's a no for me, dog. We'll, we'll put a blanket down. It'll be fine. But uh, yeah, I mean that's that's labyrinth. We've said all there is to say about it, pretty much. Um, David, did Bowie's we talk bulge. about the bulge? Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. I'll I'll just say right now, I'm a I'm a yes. Uh, I I'll admit that the story is weak, but it's almost like if you watched a dub of this in a different language, it could be like one of a great film. Um, but the, interesting. The, the, the Muppet <laughs> gags are great. I love Muppet humor. There's so many iconic Muppet <laughs> movements and motions that just like make me laugh, like the way they shake their head or like the way they like wiggle their arms or something. If you see it, it's just instant Muppets. So it's a yes for me. Brett, we'll go to you next. I know we didn't talk about the, the green screen part. Uh, I don't know if you want to mention that quickly. And then what's your yes or no? Yeah, I mean, I thought it all looked really cool. A lot of it looked really cool. But the, the fiery scene with the green screen just like seemed really out of place. And it was like he wanted to get his... Muppet style dolls in there, but yeah, that was weird. Uh, this is a yes for me just because I grew up with it and I thought it looked cool, like it did a lot, lot cooler than I would have expected from a 1986 movie. But it's a yes for me, I thought it was good, fun, fun movie, fun movie. I like, I like fun. Uh, Jordan, you lead the league in nose per movie. Uh, <laughs> oh my god, what will you give Labyrinth? Uh, I it was interesting to me that you brought up. Um, the comparison to Willow and kind of being the same sort of movie. I think this is a lot better movie than Willow, um, but it does have some. Hey, I, nice. take it easy, now. Mikey. Um, <laughs> but I think like the microcosm of this movie is in like the tunnel with all those hands, where like the animation and stuff is really good, and like they do some creative stuff in there. But it's also kind of weird and a little sexual assaulty. And I'm not like the more mm. I think about it, the more I'm like, I, I don't know if I'm comfortable with all of this. Um, I don't know. I, I think it was, it was a fun watch, but it's going to be a soft no for me. Um, it, it's not something I would like recommend to somebody, uh, generally, but yeah. Josh, his brother. That was a little, brother, that was a little Jetsons kind of transition. Jane, the other life. bulge brother. <laughs> Josh, his brother. <laughs> well, we like to usually <laughs> talk about. Um, oh man, uh, Aragorn's wiener when when we rate oh, movies. Viggo Morgensons. Yeah. Promises. Yeah, we like to talk about like a Morgenson rating, but I Mortensen rating, but I think that <laughs> David Bowie's slightly downturned. Bald, bulge uh, is maybe the best rating for this movie. It's slightly down. Um, it's a big movie, like the bulge, but it's slightly down. It's kind of soft. <laughs> oh There's not much like story or really meat behind it, but it looks really big. Oh, he's got some uh, meat. 
I, I don't know. I'm just totally saying all this off the fly. It's a You've very been like thinking der- about this for a while. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really like derivative movie. It's got Wizard of Oz. It, it, like you guys said, it's got Willow. Maybe even some Legend and Star Wars in there. Uh, obviously, a huge Jim Henson influence as he's the director and like the Muppets. But as far as all the Muppets scene movies i've seen is probably the worst and of all the things it tries to emulate it's probably the worst of those too so i gotta give this a no i probably would not have watched it if it weren't for like i hadn't watched it yet i probably would have never watched it if it wasn't for spoilers and i don't hate it it's just a soft no but what about the little worm who says (laughs) hello way out of here and he says i don't know i'm just a worm (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that was easily one of my favorite parts so that's a good one pappy i could all talk right, about head. you all day talk with you about labyrinth all day and give that a yes but actually watching Ooh. the movie itself is Aww. not as fun well mixed bag there and, and interestingly audiences didn't respond to this either it no. made 12 million dollars <laughs> i think uh, well the it was half the budget its, yeah it, it was a bomb people were like i don't want to take my kids to see david bowie's Uh, (laughs) last but not least mikey where where are you at with your yes or no on this uh this is like a really weird yes i think uh if you want to watch a really strange movie this would be a good choice i don't think anybody should or would recommend this for their children to watch because there's some really weird sexual undertones and a lot of scenes um so I don't know. I think a lot of those kind of scenes don't age too well, and it's definitely weird, and there's some... I I don't know. David Bowie is like a super creeper in this movie, but it's really entertaining. So, it's a yes, but it's a soft yes. Mm. It it looks great, but the story is weird. A lot of flaccid with this movie. Soft yeses, soft noes, but it comes out 3-2, so... (laughs) Could have been worse, I guess. Um, stay tuned for, for trivia. Uh, we're going to play that to decide who will be the host next week and what the movie will be. But first, fan boys, mail. we got some feedback. Some fan mail. Um, yes. The beep of victory. Uh, first, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we got a SoundCloud comment. Uh, we'll go through this quickly. Queen Tiff on the Breakfast Club episode. And in SoundCloud, you can leave uh, moments in time. And we were discussing if... Uh, Mike Judd is that his name? Yeah, Judd Nelson. Judd Nelson Nelson had sex with uh, Molly Ringwald, and she said, in with an explanation point, she had sex with him. So Queen (laughs) Tiff, without a doubt, saying that they banged um, in that study room. I'm still not sure, but confirmed. Read it on IMDb. Thank you, Queen Tiff, for the clarification. I think Queen Tiff is right. Queen of Tiff, she is right. Mm-hmm. Queen of the uh, Tiff. Queen of the Tiffs. Uh, next, I'm going to skip the Twitter DM we got, but Whoa. you know who you are. Um, we're not going to send you our autograph, but I hope it, you get to meet Miss America. Is it McMasters again? Uh, it's someone like that, but uh. you might be getting a prize or not. I don't know. We'll see. But you gave us a <laughs> Good luck, man. Move on, Pat. This is weird. (laughs) Last but not least, we have an email from Jay sent from her T-Mobile 4G LT3 device. I don't know if she wants me to read that, but it's in her (laughs) signature. So I 
That's her Appreciate last name. The yeah. yeah. Uh, she sent us a couple emails, but I just want to read at least part of this one real quick. Um, <clears throat> I just wanted to say that I really liked that you all. Oh, she's talking about uh, Black Panther. I really like. I just wanted to say that I really liked that you guys all brought up. Is it racist if I don't like this movie? LOL. As a black woman, I don't think it is racist if you don't like this movie or if you would give it a C plus. In fact, I also thought it was a little bit boring. Um, and then she goes on and talked about how you know that's that's kind of common among introductory. Uh, superhero characters uh, and she says that but it is important for black kids because they can now pretend to be in T'Challa or M'Baku and be a member of the Dora Majali uh, and not that that you know it's just she says not that we should limit them only to black superheroes but representation matters and it matters to her and she loves a sense of African honesty in this film so while she does think it was a little bit boring she loves the cinematography the artificial scenes in T'Challa and how wonderfully it was directed and she said she's enjoying the podcast and glad she found it on Spotify and Jay I just want to say that is a very sweet email and I'm sure the guys all agree with me thank you it is and she's mm-hmm. spot on yes. Peppy how you were awesome. having a bad day till you got that email weren't you i fly to peru in less than 12 (laughs) hours so yeah it's been a little bit of a hectic week but this email it you know jay we get emails a lot of times like you guys were mean to the guest or you guys don't know anything about movies and it's nice to say that you (laughs) quit 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 picking (laughs) westerns yeah you gave us your opinion and it was good and and you acknowledged our opinion was good and you know i really liked what you had to say and jay if you are listening uh reach out to us again and tell me a movie you want and i will champion your movie uh so if you send us another note slide into our dms or an email let me know what movie you want me to pick and if i win trivia if you get back to us i'll i'll champion your movie and pick that because that was such a nice email but friend of the pod friend of the pod yeah but so let's get on to uh trivia to decide who actually will be picking the next movie um We've done games like this before, uh, but today's game is called Beatles, Bowie, or Beck. I'm going to read to you a lyric from a song. You have to identify if it was the Beatles, if it was David Bowie, or if it was Beck. Single elimination, um, and the last person doesn't have to prove it. Who, Josh, I think you would be the most protected, right? Um, shit. Really? Mikey, what's the last movie you hosted? Uh, besides Jack, um, yeah, which doesn't count. Uh, Punishment did, episode. Didn't you do Drive? Stevie nah, did Drive. Stevie. I, I think I was the one before Drive. Whatever that Anime. was. I did. I did Enemy before Drive. Oh, uh, Jordan. Then I would Los Enchiladas be before that. Breakfast Club. Least, Breakfast Club. Yeah, I'd be l- least protected then. Wait, no, because Jordan is least protected with Enemy. Then me with uh, Los Enchiladas. Then Jordan. And Brett, I'm not sure which is the one you picked last. My cousin Vinny was in December. Armageddon. How about Jordan, Josh, Mikey, Brett for an order? All right, um, all right Jordan. These were uh, compiled by me from songs of the Beatles, David Bowie and Beck, and then put through a randomizer to determine the order. Um, the first lyric <clears throat> to Jordan, single elimination. The deeper you go, the higher you fly. The higher you fly, the deeper you go. Fuck. So come on, Beatles. So come on. 
Uh, Josh, you gave it to me. Of what course, the that's heck? the White Album. I did not give it away. Come on. That's the Beatles, and everyone's got someone to hide except for Josh and his monkey. Something to hide, rather. Um, all right, uh, Josh, you're up next. Th- though I'm past 100,000 miles, I'm feeling very still. Bowie. And it starts out a little bit easy. Yeah, Mikey. Love is careless in its choosing, sweeping over across a baby. The magic baby. <laughs> uh, I don't know lyrics from any of these artists. So Snapping the baby. Back. That was actually David Bowie, and that was actually a lyric from Soul Love, uh, which is a song. So, Mikey, I'm sorry you've been, been eliminated. Brett. So does that mean I, I'm hosting? You're not hosting. Or uh, You're done. <laughs> oh. oh, gotcha. <laughs> No, I mean next time. Does that mean I lose? Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You lost. You're fucking out, man. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't fucking know lyrics. <laughs> it's okay. Hey, Bowie, Beatles, Beck, Brett. I'm sorry. Sorry, my brother didn't stick up for me and give me the answer, Jordan. Come on! Oh, come on! <laughs> I still didn't know the answer. <laughs> what? Dancing? Won't someone dance with me? Touch me? Oh. <laughs> Brett, can you repeat that, please? <laughs> God damn it! All right, let me let me compose oh. myself. All right, dancing. Won't someone dance with me? Touch me. Oh. Can you can you use that lyric in no, a sentence, please? No, come on, Brett. You have five, Back. four. Incorrect. It was David Dang Bowie. It, Bowie. So Dang now we're it. down to the Long Brothers. There's been a lot of talk of long conspiracies. I don't think anything we saw tonight will do much to quell those grumblings. But here we are oh my God. to determine who will be hosting next. Uh, Jordan, she turns me on, but I'm only dancing. She turns me on. Don't get me wrong. I'm only dancing. It sounds like Beatles. I'm sorry, that was David Bowie. Fuck. So Josh, you are our host Ooh. next week. Your lyric would have been everywhere. There's lots of piggies living, piggy lives. Another white Beatles. album lyric. What? So, That's yeah, <laughs> but Josh, you get to pick our movie next week. Let's throw it to Spoiler Man real quick to get some plugs in, and then you'll give us our movie. Awesome. Our email is podcastspoilers at gmail.com. Twitter is at spoilers underscore pod. Our Instagram is podcast spoilers. It's lit. Josh Hensley from the Rutabaga wrote our theme. Our number is 903-776-4507. And if you enjoyed what you heard today, subscribe on SoundCloud or iTunes. Please don't forget to leave us a review by searching for movie spoilers, clicking on the cereal bowl, select the reviews tab, and leave us some stars and some words. Josh, what will be? What? Josh, what will it be? Hold on. <laughs> okay. To eat the bacon. Okay, you can bring it back now if you want. Josh. Scrolling through the list of Emilio Estevez movies. <laughs> what Josh, <laughs> Josh has chosen. Josh, you have vanquished your opponents in Beatles, Beck, or Bowie. I don't even know if that's the right order. 
But mm. what movie will we be hosting next week? Oh, you it'll be a good one. Oh. Um, oh. I want to choose a 1995 film by Kevin Smith called Mallrats. I oh, know yes. a lot of you guys <laughs> haven't seen it yet. So I want to just introduce you to it. Um, I think anyone who's seen it and likes it can also uh, admit that it's not a great movie. But uh, I'm very interested to see if you slightly younger guys get a kick out of it. So, Mallrats. I hear, I hear it referenced all the time <laughs> on podcasts was, and stuff. You've never I seen it? A, I had it on a list, but I was too nervous that the young guys would hate it. Got to like dive in. Favorite, one of my all-time favorite comedies, actually. Schnippity, schnippity, schnapp. Just got to get into it. <laughs> well, stay tuned for that. I'll probably be in Peru. Peru. <laughs> what? But thank you for listening. Thanks for the emails. And that was Spoilers. Is it normal to send your siblings pictures of your poops? Email us at podcastspoilers at gmail.com with your opinion.